0: my pleasure to welcome you to the clark howard show where it's about you and your wallet i want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make i present my opinions my ideas and there are times that i share advice that you feel that i have not done my job and that's why at our main website clark.com I give you the opportunity to set me straight. It's one of our message boards, because we have a variety of them, but this one is called Clark Stinks. This is all about where you feel, I sent somebody in the wrong direction, my advice was incomplete, my advice was just wrong. And so you post there, other people can see it, they can add comments to it, they can agree, they can disagree, and then every week... Krista, our producer, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here on the air.
1: I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of
2: yourself.
3: Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Maybe you're right, pal.
3: All right, let's start with this. Clark, I've been listening for about six years and I love your show. Keep up the good work. Now, your backdoor Roth advice has the same bad info each time. You have the right sentiment, but your advice varies from misleading to plain wrong on three points. In summary, one, there is no account called a non-deductible IRA. It is just a traditional IRA with contributions that aren't deducted on your tax forms. In addition, you must keep track of the non-deducted basis using the IRS Form 8606. Two, you erroneously use the word recharacterize when you mean to say convert. These sound the same, but they mean very different things. You are and number three, you are allowed to do a backdoor Roth if you have other IRAs, but you shouldn't, taxpayer beware.
0: Okay, I appreciate that. So we're in an area that is very technical. And yes, it is true that they're just it's just referred to as a regular IRA. It's just not deductible for you, but in shorthand, with most financial houses The way you tell them what you want to open is you tell them you want to open, you're not qualified for an IRA, so you want to open a non-deductible IRA. And as far as the forms you get, it looks like any other IRA. Using the wrong language for the conversion to uh, Roth, I apologize for that. The third one is very accurate. In fact, I dealt with that recently, is that if you have a lot of money in IRAs, doing the backdoor Roth becomes very complicated and can be expensive at tax time. This is an area where if you are making enough money that you don't qualify for a Roth or a deductible IRA, it means that you probably should be using a CPA who does tax or an enrolled agent to help you with your taxes, and they would be able to walk you through the procedure so that even if you appear to not be eligible for a Roth, you're still able to get it done and done it right. Get it done right.
3: Hi, Clark. I'd like to offer a thought on your how to buy a car advice. You instruct the reader to research the dealer's cost for a vehicle. This can't be really done. This can't really be done. Sure, there's an invoice for the vehicle, but there are many ways that money or its equivalent moves between a dealership and manufacturer. Floor plan, credit, reimbursements, incentives, and discounts are some of the items that hide the true cost of a vehicle, and they add up. Thanks, David.
0: David, thank you. You are 100% correct. And car dealers selling vehicles below invoice, obviously they could go broke saving people money. Their, their real cost in a vehicle is quite different. The important thing is to take advantage of the tools that allow you to shop the marketplace. I have a bunch of them at Clark.com on my new car buying guide. And today, you have so many strategies to buy a car at a fantastic price without having to do any negotiation with a dealer, especially through memberships you're in like Sam's Club, Costco Wholesale, if you're a USAA insured, using TrueCar. There are multiple, multiple sources now where no longer do you have to get into that back and forth with the dealer.
3: Professor Howard, you recently called... Professor? <laughs> I've been promoted to professor? Yeah, indeed. You recently called on university professors to standardize their curricula and use non-customized textbooks to save students money. But think about it. Customizing materials for a class is done to make sure students only buy what they need for specialized classes. I also wish you wouldn't push textbook sharing so much. In my experience, students do not do it effectively, and this often means one or more sharers don't read at all, more waste. Here's a solution that will work for many courses. Rent textbooks through Amazon for a semester. It's usually around $20 or so. This may not work in every class, but it's worth asking your professor if he or she would be okay with it. We don't bite unless you don't do the reading. Cheers, Professor L.
0: Professor L, thank you, and I love people renting textbooks, and there's there's Chegg, which is the biggest player in discount textbooks. There's also a trick with uh, certain booksellers that you can buy books from England where textbooks sell for a fraction of the cost of what they sell for in the United States, and even with shipping to the United States, you still save a lot of money.
3: $30 max for credit freeze? Not so. Clark, you're always telling us it's a maximum of thirty dollars to freeze your credit with all three bureaus. That's not the case in the great state of Washington. We have to pay thirty dollars and ninety five cents.
0: That ninety five cents. Should I send it to every listener
3: in Maybe Washington so. state? You stink, man. On I that. do. Okay. A couple more things um, about the Equifax breach, Clark. I listen to you with great respect and take your advice seriously. With the Equifax breach, you really went off track complaining about hardworking Americans employed by Equifax. Fact of the matter is, our personal data is not a treasure, if not, or is a treasure. If not Equifax, someone else will capture it, mine it, and sell it. This is just capitalism, and you are all for it. I don't know why you went on ranting against people, the people of Equifax rather than calmly explaining how to freeze the credit. I felt you were opportunistic to utilize this to gain traffic on your show. You truly disappointed me today. I'm a listener for more than 15 years. Thank you for all that you do, a Clark listener.
0: Okay, let me, let me confess to you. I have 30 years of built up frustration about the problems consumers have when there's a problem with their credit file and it's just way too hard to get it fixed at Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian because we are not the customer. And the CEO of Equifax in his statement made it really clear that consumers are not their customer. Watch that statement and you'll see what I mean. And so the outside call centers that Equifax employed that weren't even trained how to deal with this, I, I have a lot of frustration. And yes, I know a number of people who are great people who work at Equifax. I have history with it going back even when it used to be called Retail Credit Company, I think was the prior name, and there are many good people there. The reality is the organization has its cultural focus on the banks and others that buy the data that Equifax compiles, and we are just fodder. There is not sufficient focus on the consumer And there's a tendency to look at horseshoes as being good enough, getting the information close is enough, where the information, because of the consequences for consumers, the information needs to be right. As far as the anger that I expressed that was not contrived, that was real anger. And I think I terrified some people on the staff that I was going to keel over with a heart attack as I stood in front of Equifax's headquarters.
3: Another one, um, this one's actually complaining that you're not telling the full story on the Equifax breach. It turns out that Equifax knew of the data breach way back in July of 2017 and chose not to disclose it until Thursday. What a great Equifax marketing team that can conceal this data breach for over a month from the public and its customers until it's a busy news day with hurricanes, North Korea missile launches, national budget issues, among others. What about the Equifax executives that sold their stock holdings shortly after the data breach occurred before it was disclosed to the public? Come on, Clark. Please tell us the full story.
0: Well, that's two sides of the same coin, isn't it? Because I was very much harshing on Equifax for opportunistic timing. And as far as the executives that sold stock, that'll be determined by multiple investigations, whether they've committed a criminal act or innocently sold shares of stock, that they Equifax claims none of those key executives were aware of the breach at that point, which makes me wonder who's key and who's not at Equifax. As far as the problems with the Equifax data breach, if you're not really aware how severe this is, this has consequences for you for the rest of your life. You stand in danger of having your identity stolen for as long as you shall live, and that's why we keep updating our credit freeze guide and what you should do following the Equifax breach at Clark.com, so you'll know exactly how to manage this.
3: Clark, on your podcast, you express concerns about the value volatility of Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency versus the stability of government currencies. While not an economist or monetary policy export, expert or even an extensive student, don't governments have an interest in currency stability? Therefore, governments, governments exert pressures to dampen their currencies' volatility, whereas cryptocurrencies without government banking and volatility ba- damping are reflect true currency volatility. Not that I advocate cryptocurrencies, but cryptocurrencies' volu- volatility might be the nature of the untamed beast. In theory what all currencies would act like in an undampened free market.
0: I love that post. It is my belief that Bitcoin and the Bitcoin wannabes are really uh, just speculative vehicles at this point. On the issue of them being an effective alternative currency, yes, potentially done right they could be. But if they were truly an effective alternative currency, they would not gyrate in value so much day to day. The problem is if I'm a business and I accept Bitcoin as a form of payment and then want to use Bitcoin as a way to pay for things to vendors I buy from and all the rest, there's way too much danger in the movement up and down that could wipe out my business's profits. A virtual currency will only be an effective alternative currency when the value is more stable and more predictable, like government-issued money.
3: Clark, I'm disappointed in you. You had a caller on who asked about raising money to help a family member rebuild after the hurricane and claiming a tax deduction. You said there was no way unless they would set up a nonprofit, which would be expensive. What about this relative connecting with a nonprofit, a church, for instance, and setting up a fund? People would send in donations, earmarking, noting on the check or donation form, it's for the relative. The nonprofit would give the money to the recipient, and the donor would be able to claim a tax deduction. That's what's done in my congregation when the community wants to raise funds for someone in need. If I can make it a suggestion... And if you don't already do it, when you acknowledge that you made an error in your advice to contact the individual who gave the advice and provide them with an update, there's no other guarantee that they will listen to the Clark Stinks segment where their call was discussed. Now that would be a real Clark Stinks. Keep up the great work.
0: Thank you very much. And on the issue of targeting through a church or other nonprofit organization, In order for something to be deductible, it's not supposed to be a vessel to collect for an individual and then turn around and give the money to that individual. A church could have a hurricane relief fund and then choose to give it to certain members of the congregation or the community, but it cannot be used as a way to give money specifically to the church for a specific individual and use the church's charitable status as a way to take a deduction. Now, that doesn't mean people aren't doing it, but it should not be done that way as a proper charitable donation. I appreciate all your posts, and yes, if I do mess up on something, we do call the individual back and correct the information with them. And if you feel I've been out of line, please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and please let me know. Lucy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lucy. Hello, how are you? Great, thank you. Lucy, how can I be of service to you? Uh,
2: My little grandson will be seven next week. He uses all of the uh, electronic devices his parents have. That I have uh, laptops, phones, Kindles, whatever. But I want him to have his own. And there are a number of new, good, educational, and fun apps for children out there. And several years ago, you addressed this question about what to give a child what was good for them but i know there have been a lot of new advances and i wondered what you might suggest today
0: yeah today it's not really necessary for you to buy a cordoned off kid's tablet for a kid who's seven and with a tablet whether it's an android or an ipad there are a number of apps you can use to make sure that the kid is in a kid-friendly zone with the apps that then are, are downloaded. Right. But the, my favorite app is a parent controlling what apps a 7-year-old downloads. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for you. The apps have ratings, and you right. can see whether they're safe for your, you said your grandson? Yes. Your grandson, you can see if they're safe for him at 7 years old. And uh-huh. so my son's tablet he knows he has to go ask my wife or me before he downloads an app.
2: Right. That's what we're doing right now with Christopher. He has to ask his mom or dad or me You know, if he can go to a
0: certain site. If you're buying a basic tablet, you've got to work at it to hit three figures.
2: All right. Okay, I appreciate that very much. His birthday is next week, and I need to go shopping.
0: Well, go look online, and you'll have no trouble finding a deal. One of the cheapest places to buy tablets, typically, is Micro Center, if you have a Micro Center near you. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our web address, Clark.com, and when you're looking for deals, check out ClarkDeals.com, our deal diggers, looking for bargains for you each and every day. Tell you something, it is no bargain at all, and that is when you find out you have cancer, and in America, you got somewhere around a one in three chance during your lifetime that you'll be stricken with cancer. For men, the second most common cancer that we are stricken with is prostate cancer. I was diagnosed with prostate cancer almost nine years ago, and millions of men every year diagnosed with prostate cancer. We have, um, gosh, it's something like one in seven, one in eight men over the course of their lifetimes will be diagnosed with prostate cancer, and men are quiet about cancer men are quiet about their illnesses you know women want to scream it on a mountaintop but guys we go into caves and we hide from it and that is not okay i am pleased to be joined by dr drew and thank you so much for joining us here on the clark howard show
4: hi clark and i was just thinking i had multiple thoughts here i want to clear my mind before we go on a uh, there must be something wrong with you as a man because I'm, I'm busy screaming about cancer and my cancer, too, because I want everyone to understand how common this stuff is and what can be done about it. Number two, I was thinking, why do we always say that prostate cancer is the number two cancer? The number one cancer is skin cancer, for crying out loud. We don't say in women's case breast cancer is the most common, except for skin cancer. We just say it's the most common cancer. Let's take, take skin cancer and move it aside. That's a 100%. <laughs> we're not talking okay. about melanoma. We're not talking about melanoma when we say skin cancer. We're talking about basal cell cancer, which happens to essentially everybody. So prostate, if you – the other thing is if you – 100% of a men, if you live to 100, will have prostate cancer. That's how common it is. So it is exceedingly common, and it is exceedingly treatable, provided that people go and get properly screened for it. And as, I think you're still on active surveillance, not even treatment sometimes, not even necessary if you're in the right hands and watch carefully. But you don't want this thing to get out of hand. There are different sort of versions of the disease. Some are very aggressive. Some are not. African-American men are twice as likely to die of this condition and 1.6 times more likely to develop prostate cancer. And, you know, men are weird about getting screened. They also are weird about getting diagnosed. They believe somehow it's going to affect their virility or their masculinity. And and none of that is, is realistic.
0: Well, and we need the men to think about the families that they have, the people that love them, yeah. that care about them. And those families need to help Save the Males, don't
4: they? Savethemales.org is where we're trying to send everybody. And also to support the Prostate Cancer Foundation, which does some of the most creative cancer research on the planet. You know, when, when people read headlines about T cells, you know, these immunological cells being taken out of someone's body and then genetically altered to go back in and fight cancer, We're we're there. That's us. That's our research. Or or Jimmy Carter living for years now with his melanoma. That's us. That's all the creative cancer research that the PCF has funded, and we really needed people's help. Even just a dollar here and there would really help the Many Versus Cancer Save the Males uh, sort of uh, campaign we're on.
0: So speaking of Many Versus Cancer, the idea is that you, as a cancer survivor or as a family member— that you were there advocating for yourself or your loved one, getting people behind you and raising money as part of a sidelight of doing that so that there's more research, more new forms of treatment, more breakthroughs, and there's really exciting stuff coming that you can explain that I can't because I don't understand medicine at all.
4: Well... It's pretty simple to explain. It's impossible to understand when you get into the biological realities of it. But it's essentially that genomic personalized medicine is here, and we are on the eve of curing certainly prostate cancer and probably the vast majority of cancers, whereby we can genetically assess the specific tumor you have and dial in specific treatments. Uh, Among the most exciting for me, what I'm excited about, are, you know, cellular level directed treatments where you can drop chemicals or radiation right in and only into the cancer cells, or we can send in your own immune cells to take the cancer out. I mean, this is, this is the new frontier. This is what we've created under the stewardship of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. And, you know, you and I have been on the board for a while, and it's re- I, I sit and listen to these monthly lectures by the researchers, and I don't recommend you sit on those, Clark, because they're deep biology, deep Uh, And and they're fantastic. You can't imagine for for somebody like me. I'm I'm a biologist by training and it is just so exciting to hear these advances.
0: So as far as what people can do, I mean, I've listened to some of those meetings. I don't understand them at all, just like you said. (laughs) But what I do understand is that this is not science fiction. This is not something that's going to make a difference for a family member Twenty years from now, or ten years from now, no. there's stuff happening right now, and it's been very targeted with the research. But one thing you alluded to that is so significant is that research happening for different cancers is turning out to benefit people with other forms of cancer, and that's it, been tr- exactly. that's been true with a lot of the research that has happened with prostate cancer is it's benefiting people with breast cancer among others and and this is just fantastic that we are cracking the code on how to save yeah, liter- people's literally.
4: lives yeah literally cracking the, the genetic code and again i would just send people to save the that's where we want people to go right now but but most people don't even understand what cancer is so Let me just basically explain that your cells are dividing all the time. You have this DNA. I think people have heard of DNA. But how DNA replicates itself so cells can divide and reproduce is a fantastically complex biochemical process that is prone to error. There are abnormalities in it. There are things that go wrong in it all the time throughout our life. It's the nature of biology. It's a gigantic probability equation, and part of that probability equation includes repair mechanisms that are built into our biology so when we're younger our DNA repair mechanisms come in and repair those abnormalities now some of us myself I have some called a MSH6 Lynch gene which makes my DNA repair not as efficient as it should be so as I get Wait, older hit that again
0: say that again you're what
4: I have an. I'm an MSH6 Lynch syndrome you can actually get your genes tested now to see what specific risks you have based on particularly things like DNA repair. And so my DNA repair mechanisms are not as efficient as they should be. So errors accumulate with time. And as I get older, it's just more probabilistic that something's going to happen that the DNA repair mechanisms miss. Then it's up to my immune system to recognize that and take that, that abnormal cell now out. But as you age, the immune system isn't as effective. And again, there can be cumulative errors in the immune system. And that's how cancers emerge.
0: Wow. So we're never going to be able to take care of 100% of men, but we want to. I mean, that's ultimately the goal. But something you mentioned a few minutes ago is so important, and that is a lot of guys, as you said, will not get tested. And right. it's a this ego thing, and that's well, where we need the the women yeah. in a guy's life to to drag him to the doctor, just like they would take their kid to the doctor.
4: To- yeah, I'm as guilty as any. I'm a horrible patient, and that's exactly what happened to me. It was my wife that made the appointment, made me go in. I the whole while was no big deal. I see subspecialists. I'm fine. Relax, everybody. And then when they started you know, moving down the uh, workup, I was getting increasingly agitated and angry at everybody. Like, I, you know, was accusing everyone of overkill and overdiagnosis and being too aggressive. And then, lo and behold, they found cancer, which was surprising. And uh, now I've had a prostatectomy, and that's all gone. And I'm very, very grateful for this whole journey.
0: And how are you now, health-wise? Are you completely cancer-free?
4: Completely, yeah, well, as far as we know, I mean, you never know with prostate cancer, but but there's no doubt that whatever occurs we'll be able to manage. Uh, I seem to be cancer-free, and I'm certainly feeling better than I have in a long time. So, you know, it's completely normal in spite of being a little older.
0: And yeah, I wanted to ask you about the importance of nutrition and exercise in terms of well, cancer care. And
4: Well, I mean, that's just... Be good for our overall health. I mean, you, you know, we're, we're seeing now there's some data that just came out today that says we should be moving every 30 minutes. And you know, people, you know, people don't really understand how complex biology is. Uh, and, and yes, you can generally, you know, you can reduce risk factors through avoiding alcohol, avoiding tobacco, avoiding processed foods, avoiding fats of certain types, uh, being conscious of your weight, exercising regularly. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, it's not as though there's one panacea for all medical conditions. It just not, does not exist in nature that way. But there's good evidence that our cardiovascular health <clears throat> is enhanced. And when our vascular health is enhanced, our brain health is enhanced. Our heart health is enhanced. Our kidney health is enhanced. So general attention to these, you know, our overall well-being can only benefit us.
0: So how far are you and I going out on a run today for?
4: I'm going to go I, I'm looking for time to go about three miles. I, I'm, and I, you interrupted my, my, my resistance training, in fact, I do about 30 minutes of resistance training every day. and then I try to get out on the road and run, and that's, that's harder. That takes more time. Right, unfortunately, yeah.
0: Well, Dr. Drew Pinsky, thank you so much for joining us on the Clark Howard Show. and again, savethemails.org. I want you to get involved. I want you to watch out for the men in your life because they're not watching out for themselves like they should. And there's a fine fine line between nagging and helping. But generally, if you have to nag to help, go ahead and nag to make that happen, right?
4: By all means, nag us. We're fine. We'll we'll survive that. (laughs) We We may not survive not going to the doctor. So go ahead and nag.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Molly is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Molly. How are you today?
1: Hello. I'm doing
2: wonderful. Great. Um, I just want to say I'm 26, and I have started listening to your show when I was 10, and you have totally shaped my adult finances.
4: <laughs> wow.
0: Well, I think it's kind of uh, child abuse when a parent makes a child listen to me in <laughs> elementary school.
2: Well, after 12, it was my choice. Great. You know, my favorite show. <laughs> well, thank you. I am engaged. And Congratulations. We, thank you. We are looking into renting a place or buying a place. The rent here is so high, it's probably going to be more than an actual mortgage payment if we get a good deal.
0: Where in California um, are you, Molly?
2: We're in Northern California around the Chico region.
0: Okay. And, and California real estate, you really do a favor for the rest of the country because people elsewhere know what real estate's going to cost in about 40 years based on yeah. what it is now in California. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I know it's just insane. We're having to stay in Chico because it is the most affordable in those places we can live in. So I put out a line to a couple of realtors and now I'm just like flooded with a million things and it's, hugely intimidating (laughs)
0: all right so let me tell you where you start okay the very first step for you and your fiance is to pull your credit reports and see if there's anything foul on either of your reports and that's free at annualcreditreport.com and it'd be great for annualcreditreport.com and the credit bureaus will try to sell you stuff there ignore all that they have to by law give you a free copy of your okay. report once a year okay. and okay. i'd like for both of you to sign up to continually monitor your scores at creditkarma.com
2: i've been doing that for a couple of years and i just signed him up like yesterday
0: great you're <laughs> teaching him you're teaching yes. him that's great
2: yeah he this is a man with no credit cards ever
0: okay so so
2: he's got no credit other than some bad stuff from a previous lease loan thing. It was a mess.
0: So his ah. is gonna be a problem. So that takes me to the next step. Are either of you members of credit unions?
2: We're both yeah, part of the one of the California Northern California credit unions. Right.
0: I'd like you to I make you an appointment. I was
2: 12
0: years old. That's so neat. <laughs> I want the two of you to get into that credit union, make an appointment with a loan officer for okay. mortgage loans. And have him just lay it out for your fiancé what he's going to need to do with his credit, how yours is, what loan products you qualify for, how much of a home yeah. price you should target. Yeah. And that's really the, the most important phase of this because then you feel overwhelmed once you know that this is where you should be looking. This is your price point. This is the lowest price you should be probably looking at that would get you in a decent neighborhood this is the absolute highest you should spend on a house yeah that allows you to much more easily target with a real estate agent and also looking on your own at zillow Mm -hmm. download the zillow app both of you should do that having first the conversation at the credit union and finding out where you're really going to be looking price point wise That allows you so much more ease as you look around the Chico area to know what neighborhoods are going to be your targets, what prices those neighborhoods are. Bam, you got a match, and you'll be able to much more easily zero in on that home purchase. Okay. I've got more steps about how to go through the home buying process at Clark.com, and thank you for your loyalty, Molly, all these years. Garrett is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Garrett, you have a credit union question for me.
4: Yes, I do. I've spent the last several years uh, trying to rebuild my credit from some unfortunate experiences uh, about uh, 10, 12 years ago. I've been trying to be very, 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 very careful. I am what I think you call a deadbeat, or what the uh, the credit card companies call a deadbeat, because I try to keep a zero balance on my cards.
0: Good job.
4: I, I actually I only have one. In following up with the uh, the Equifax breach that happened recently, I went ahead and signed up for Credit Karma, as you suggested, and I had already put credit freezes on two of my credit reports. I put a credit freeze on the third one. And I was looking at the credit scores on Credit Karma. They look reasonably good. They're in the mid-700s. My credit union offers credit score information and credit monitoring information through a third-party company don't bother Uh, it's one of the bigger
0: you don't need to do that at all you've done everything right and there's nothing further you need to do okay don't sign up for any of their third-party stuff leave it just like you've got it you've got the credit karma where you can continually monitor you know they offer credit monitoring as well as the scores that you have access to and then you throw on top of that that you've got the, um, the credit freezes in place. You are perfect with what you've done, and Credit Karma will coach you over time what you need to do to raise your scores, although I don't know why. They're great already. Good for you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on The Clark Howard Show want you to know that if you need consumer advice we're here to serve you off air for free nine hours a day if you go to clark.com and go down the home screen you'll see a section consumer help and tools click on consumer action center and you can get that free off the air advice